The following episode of Writer's Radio Theater has been proudly packed and inspected by number... Writer's Radio Theater is on the air! cowboy land that if you get thrown, you should just get right back on the horse and ride again. So we're going to take another stab tonight at running gun. Yeah. <laughs> I pull out of Kansas City, heading south to Mexico, running, dodging, danger, left the girl that I love so. Far behind lay Kansas City and the past that I had earned. Twenty notches on my six-gun marked the lessons I had learned. Couldn't stand it any longer with this life that I'd begun. So I said goodbye to Jeannie and became a running gun. I pulled into Amarillo as the sun sank in the west. My thoughts in Kansas City with the girl I loved the best. How she smiled and kissed me gently as I turned away to go. Said I'd send for her to meet me when I reached old Mexico. I had barely left the saddle and my foot just touched the ground. When a cold voice from the shadows told me not to turn around. Said he knew about my fast gun, knew the price paid by the law. Challenged by a bounty hunter, so I turned around to draw. Like lightning flash, my own gun stood in leather while his bullet tore its path. 
Now my strength is slowly fading, I can see him walk away. Know that where I lie tonight, he too must lie someday. Now a crowd is slowly gathering and my eyes are growing dim. My thoughts return to Jeannie and the home that we had planned. Won't you tell her for me, mister, that she's still the only one? But a woman's love is wasted when she loves a running gun. A woman's love is wasted when she loves a running gun. We'll return to the thrilling days of Riders Radio Theater right after this mega message. It's coming! The biggest movie of the year! It's coming! The action smash of the season! It's coming! Conan the Librarian! Yes, Conan the Librarian, 310 pounds of muscle, bionic steel, and card catalog savvy. Conan the Librarian! See him put down the disturbance in periodicals. Quiet. I said quiet. Sure, sure, Conan. Anything you say. See him help a desperate student with the term paper blues. Uh, excuse me, Conan. Could you tell me where to find the U.S. production of Ho Handles, Fiscal 5657? Have you tried the almanac? Gee, thanks. He's helpful, he's courteous, he's seven feet tall. How will I ever get this 40-pound world atlas back on the top shelf? Let me help you, people, old lady. Oh, oh, oh. There, that should do it. But when it's time to be tough, ain't nobody tougher. Yeah, who is it? I believe you have neglected to return a book. <laughs> you owe 26 cents. Oh, uh, 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 gosh, yeah. Uh, uh, here's the book, and uh, here's 30 cents. Keep the change, Mr. Coleman. But his biggest challenge came from the future. These books, they're out of order. Someone is rearranging them. Could it be Dewey the Decimator? Yes, Dewey the Decimator. He came from the future to confuse library patrons. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'll put Emil Zola next to Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Not so fast, Decimator. Take this and that. Oh, oh, it's oh, the battle oh, of the ages, and the smart money is on Conan the Librarian. Hasta la vista, baby cakes. <laughs> Conan the Librarian, a mammoth radio picture starring Herbert Llewellyn Schwarzenegger as Conan and Gabriella Fishbeck as Monica, the beautiful storyteller in the children's section with a heart of gold and a weakness for seven-foot part robot all-man information managers, a weakness for Conan the Librarian, opening Friday everywhere. This is a good one, baby. You should check it out. Ha, ha, ha. Rated PG-13. Some scenes may be too intense for folks who don't get out much. Buggeroos and buggerettes, here's a little bit of Buffalo Gal. Gentlemen, buckaroos and buckarets, it's now guest time here on Riders Radio Theater. Yes, Woody, who's contractually obligated to be here tonight? 
while our special guest is back for a second big appearance on Riders Radio Theater, Theater Ranger Doug. He's a songwriter, singer, dancer, and steamboat pilot. He's a household name in certain houses in Madison, Tennessee. <laughs> Folks, please welcome John Hartford. Yay! Howdy, John. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the Delta Queen Waltz. One, two, three. a deep mellow sound in the night and the echo came back from a shoreline of twinkling light there was nothing we really could say the river it swept us away like a present hereafter the warm sound of laughter as we danced to the delta queen walls
as that big wheel keeps rolling, I find myself holding you near. With the nighttime unfolding, I'm lucky just having you As a single wave curls down the shore Where waltzing away across the floor As a heart beats assemble The boat slightly trembles As we dance to the Delta Queen Wall John Hartford and Jamie. Thank you, John. John and Jamie Hartford. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful song, John. Thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you telling me that. You been keeping busy lately, John? Slim, I've never been busier in my life. You know, that's good to hear. I figured the recession's going to be tough on banjo players. Well, not really. Not since the government started hiring us. Wait a minute. The government is hiring banjo players? That's right. The Treasury Department, they're looking for counterfeiters. Well, how's that? <laughs> well, it's a kind of an experiment, and it's also a kind of a secret. Well, you can say it on this show, John. Not that many folks tune in. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, sure. Why not? Uh, here's what they've done. They've wove a special microscopic fiber audio thread into the paper for $100 bills. A microscopic fiber audio thread? And it... It, it reacts to a certain sound? That's right. When you play Earl's Breakdown, the bill quivers. Well, I certainly quiver when I hear Earl's Breakdown. That is so cool, boy. Yeah, and like I said, it's experimental. And if it works out, I'll have a job. And listen, speaking of jobs, do you mind, uh, would you mind paying me this time and not by check? Well, <laughs> I am really sorry about that little mix-up last time. Uh, here's a brand new hundred, John. Let me let me check it here. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> uh, can I uh, have the uh, change, John? <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. This is public radio. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Thanks well, a lot. Here he goes, ladies and gentlemen, the great John Hartford. Hey, Jamie Hartford. That is Radio Theater is a mammoth radio pictures production in association with WVXU. This program is being taped live at the Emory Theater in the Queen City of the West, Cincinnati, Ohio. Stay with us, Saddle Pals. We'll be right back. Here's number 12 in our top poker countdown under the double eagle. Polka! Polka! 
Writers Radio Theater is made possible by the Mercantile Savings Bank in Kenwood, located across from the Kenwood Town Center. Mercantile Savings Bank specializes in first and second mortgages and investment services. Open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. and Saturdays, 8.30 to 4.30. Mercantile Savings Bank, 891-7711. Welcome back, Buckaroos and Buckarets. You're listening to Riders Radio Theater. <laughs> and now, Riders Radio Theater presents the ongoing saga of the Cowboy Way. Tonight, episode two of the exciting Western melodrama, Raiders of the Vanishing Everglades. As faithful as this will no doubt recall, in our last episode, the villain Slocum and Charlie attempted to short-circuit the alarm system that guards the United States Treasury. Uh, just cut all those wires, Charlie. Right. This caused a communications breakdown in our nation's capital. Uh, Domino's Pizza. Hello. Hello. And as a result, the Pentagon's war room computers reported that America was being invaded. We must tell the president. We can't, sir. He's out of town, and with our communication system down, we can't reach him. This left them no choice but to report to the vice president, who was playing Nintendo deep beneath his house in his personal bunker. Mr. Vice President, all the communication systems are on the fritz, and our computers tell us we're being invaded by Mexico and Georgia. Which Georgia? We're not sure, sir. Mr. Vice President, you are now the de facto head of the most powerful nuclear power on this earth. Wow, you know what? That's really neat. And now hold on to your hats, buckaroos and buckarettes. It's time for episode two, entitled Bacon Bacon. Mr. Vice President, you have to make a decision. What do you want us to do? What do I want you to do, General Parisis? That's a good question. Golly, well, if they're attacking us, I think we ought to nuke them. Nuke who? Mexico and Georgia. Right. Uh, which Georgia? Which Georgia? I don't know. What? Uh, you, uh, uh, sir? Excuse me. Yes. But it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter, Colonel Butts? Our communication lines have been cut to, to everybody, sir. We can't order a pizza, let alone a, a nuclear attack. Holy cow. Well, in that case, it's a good thing we're in a bunker. Some pizza would be nice, though. Uh-huh. I'll bet we can get through. Try Domino's. I'm going to go back and see if I can find that magic cabbage. While the de facto leader of the most powerful nation on this planet plays Nintendo and official Washington panics, Two familiar sleazy felons carry up to the back door of the United States Treasury Building. <laughs> ah, this is it, Charlie. Break the glass in the door and let's go in. Right. <laughs> Hi. Hey, boss, I thought we cut the wires to those alarms. Yeah, so did I. I don't worry about it. With all the other alarms going off out there, who's going to notice one more? Right. Come on, let's find those plates and get out of here. Okay, Charlie, you go down that way, and I'll go this way. Look for the printing press room. Got it? Got it. Whoever finds it hollers out, and the other comes and joins them. Got it? Got it. Okay, let's go. Right, <laughs> Can you believe this? The Treasury of the United States of America, not a guard in sight? <laughs> oh, who goes there? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, who? Uh, uh-oh, it's, uh, 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 uh Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers? Yeah. 
the nationally known Comediana talk show host. Uh, none other. Can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Say, you really have had some reconstruction surgery, haven't you, man? Yeah, well, you might say so. <laughs> if I were you, I'd ask for my money back. Yeah. Please. I don't know. I sort of like it. Now out of my way. Oh, no, Miss Rivers. I'm huh? sorry, but you can't take the tour tonight. You'll have to come back in the morning and take the regular tour, just like everybody else. Says who? Says me, U.S. Treasury Secretary, Officer Eugene Walborn. Eugene Walborn? Your voice right. sounds familiar, Eugene. Do I know you? I don't think so, Miss Rivers. I've, I've never dated Delta Burke or married Elizabeth Taylor or been involved in any national scandal. Yeah, that voice sounds so familiar. I got it. You sound like High Sheriff Drywall. You guys related? No, but I'm not at all surprised to hear that we talk alike. You see, this type of speaking voice is cultivated by all law enforcement officials on this show. <laughs> see, it's, it's the only voice I do. Well... Well, it's a good one. Now move aside, Pete Brain. Easy, Miss Rivers, I warn you. I got a black belt, please. Yeah, nice belt. Matches your shoes, too. Well, thank you for noticing, Miss Rivers. I think it's so important for your accessories to match. Yeah. Well, too bad your shoelaces are on time. <laughs> now, come on, Miss Rivers. I ain't gonna fall for that. <laughs> <laughs> no? What if I told you right behind you it was a 300-pound doofus getting ready to clobber you with a length of lead pipe? <laughs> <laughs> come on now, Joan. You can do better than that. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Charlie. Thanks, boss. Look, there's the printing press room. Come on. Right. Oh, man. Okay, find the plates for the C-notes. Yeah, I'm looking for them. Oh. There they are, boss, right here. Are you sure they're the C notes? Yeah, listen, I'll bang them together. Ah. See what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's a C note, all right. Now give them to me, and then you grab a roll of that official greenback paper there. And let's get out of here. Right. <laughs> and so, while official Washington slowly gets a grip on its communications emergency and comes to the welcome realization that neither Mexico nor Georgia nor the other Georgia is invading the U.S. and Domino's resumes pizza deliveries, the two moral morons who caused the crisis slink off into the night with a complete set of mint condition U.S. Treasury plates used to manufacture perfect $100 bills. And two days later in the back room of the Dry Gulch Saloon in Tumbleweed Valley, a newly installed printing press is cranking out perfect sheets of 32 perfect $100 bills every 47 seconds. Beautiful, ain't it, Charlie? Right. Seeing all that money rolling off the presses gives you a real warm feeling, <laughs> don't it? <laughs> yeah, we're in the money, boss. Makes me feel like singing. Yeah. <laughs> we're printing money, some funny money. <laughs> we got a lot that we can spread all over town. No one will notice. <laughs> the bills are bogus. <laughs> we got a big and evil plan when that's going down. down. <laughs> we got to be on Broadway. <laughs> okay, Charlie, start cutting the sheets of C-notes into single bills and then get started on my new evil plan. And Charlie, you know what's the very first thing we're going to do? Uh-uh, boss. We're going to get some fancy dubs and some fast cars. All right. <laughs> Later that same day, two spiffy dudes wearing the most expensive polyester outfits money can buy strolled into the local car dealer's showroom. Howdy, folks. Dan Walters here. Say, those are great suits you have on there. Do they have them in extra large for skinny guys? How would I know? Say, what are these things? They're the new Conestoga Vipers, the fastest vehicles in the world. How much? 
only $50,000 a piece. But let me tell you, we have tender terms available for qualified buyers. Yeah? Well, what would you, you say, Buster, if we just gave you cash for him? Cash? <laughs> <laughs> sure, cash would be fine, but hey, come on, let's be serious, folks. I've got some lower-priced cars. Look in this bag, you nattery nitwit. Tell me what you see. <gasps> it's full of hundred-dollar bills, hundreds of them. <laughs> Thousands. <laughs> I'll take the gold viper to match my shoes. Which one do you want, Charlie? Well, I got a black hat, so I guess I need a black one. You want your accessories to match, right? Yeah, okay, <laughs> Hot Rod. Get the keys to these wagons while I count out your dough. Yes, sir. And hey, thanks for coming to see me now, you hear? He says anything else, belt him one, Charlie. Right. Their conspicuous, disgusting buying spree continues throughout the day. And by the end of banking hours, big deposits from local merchants have the bulk of the first rational bank bursting at the scene. Oh, my. I almost hate to lock up. We've had such a good day, Miss Piker. I'll say. Isn't it wonderful, Miss Piker? We have lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm, Mr. Yes. Arbitrage. It makes me tingle all over just to look at all that hard cash. Oh, well, uh, look all you want, Miss Piker. I like a woman who just loves to look at money. So many of them want to spend it, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's beautiful, all right. Now, let me tell you, I knew that George Bush's policy of doing nothing would pay off. Oh, sure, General Motors and IBM are belly up. And I tell you, the Viper dealership in Tumbleweed Valley is going great guns. It's just a question of giving the public what it wants. Why, Armani's deluxe polyester suits are something better than Chia Pets. <laughs> oh, get it, Miss Piker. Probably a merchant overburdened with cash, wishing to make a late deposit. Yes? How do you do, sir? May I come in? Well, certainly. I'm cash arbitrage, and well... Why, if it isn't John Hartford, singer, songwriter, banjo player, and... Treasury agent. Treasury agent? Yep. And I have a federal court order here to examine your... Oh, no. Oh, no. My books. No. No. Your money. My money? <laughs> Go right ahead, Mr. Treasury Agent, and famous everything else. I have nothing but perfect money. Well, we'll see about that. Would you open your vault, please? Why, certainly, Miss Pika. Did you say he plays the banjo? Sure do, ma'am. Oh. Miss Pika, please control yourself. Open the vault, please. Yes, sir. May I ask, why do you intend to inspect our money, Mr. Hartford? You sure can, Mr. Armitrage. Arbitrage, you sure sir. can, Mr. Arbitrage. Uh, arbitrage. I'm looking. Arbitrage? Arbitrage. Arbitrage. I'm I looking. noticed it on my desk as yeah, you came right, in. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm looking for counterfeit $100 bills. I can assure you we have none of them here. I'm afraid you can't. You see, yeah. some plates were stolen from the U.S. Treasury along with some paper a little while back. Horrors! Yeah, so somebody's now able to make perfect copies of a hundred dollar bill but the paper they stole to print it on was impregnated with a prototype prototype is that prototype arbitrage that's prototype prototype, prototype. He's my vice president yes prototype audio fiber thread that was designed to thwart counterfeiters i was waiting to see what you'd do with that one right <laughs> <laughs> marvelous how does it work fooled you and got through it didn't i <laughs> Well, it quivers every time somebody plays Earl's Breakdown on the banjo. Anything but that. Ooh, 
I quiver whenever I hear Earl's breakdown. You do? <laughs> you do? In that case, play Johnny Boy. Play! <laughs> All of your money is quivering, Mr. Arbitrage. So is Miss Pika. <laughs> that, means all, <laughs> that means all of this money is bogus. What? Say it ain't so, Johnny boy. I'm afraid it is, Mr. Arbitrage, and I'm going to have to impound all of this money. Oh, no, Miss Pika, take me down to Opal's tap room. I think it's happy hour. I need some cheering up. All right, Mr. A, but, oh, can we just hear a little more from that banjo before we go? But while Cash Arbitrage quivers at the thought of losing all his rich deposits and Miss Pika quivers to the tune of Earl's Breakdown, outside on the street in front of the bank, two brand new high-powered automobiles roar out of town. There's something you don't see every day, Jasper. Yeah, what's that, Coot? Couple of vipers leaving town at 180 miles an hour. Yeah, oh, nice cars, too. What kind of person would pay $50,000 for a car called a Viper? Does your billfold quiver whenever Earl's breakdown is played on a banjo? And who will stop Slocum and Charlie from undermining America's trust in its currency system? You won't find the answers to these questions on Nightly Business Journal, but you will find them right here, same time, same station, next week, in episode three of Raiders of the Vanishing Everglades, entitled Looking for Mr. Goodwrench. It's heart-lifting, confidence-restoring, stay-of-the-course melodrama you won't want to miss, and it's coming only to this theater of the mind. This is the VXU Radio Network. George, you can't take your wife a dozen roses for no reason. She'll think you've got a guilty conscience. Huh? There are only two times when a husband takes flowers to his wife. When she's got a birthday or he's got a hangover. <laughs> Enjoy the crazy antics of George Burns and Gracie Allen on Monday morning at 11.30 and Sunday evening at 6 o'clock when WVXU presents The Burns and Allen Show. 91.7 WVXU Cincinnati, 89.3 WVXR New Paris Richmond and WVXC Chillicothe and 89.5 WVXM West Union, the WVXU stations. AP Network News, I'm Mark Hamrick. Fans of the National Hockey League who had to put their passions on hold may have reason to celebrate. Television stations in the Twin Cities are quoting the owner of the Minnesota North Stars, Norm Green, as saying the 10-day NHL strike is one step closer to being over. Green says NHL owners and the Players Union have reached a tentative agreement which awaits only ratification by the striking players. If that ratification comes, the season could resume as early as Sunday or Tuesday. It won't help them get their money back, but the retirees who were duped into sinking their life savings into worthless junk bonds sold by Charles Keating's American Continental Corporation can take solace in the fact he's heading to prison. Keating's been sentenced to 10 years behind bars and fined $250,000. The story from the AP's Brian Bland in Los Angeles. Judge Lancito said Charles Keating is going to prison because he was an active participant in the fraud that cost investors their money and left them emotionally scarred, no longer trusting the U.S. banking system. Ito said Keating continued selling American Continental junk bonds after February 1989, 